welcome to another episode of Parminio. Value-based decision-making styles. Bezos, Benioff, and Reed Hastings. What can we learn from them? What we're going to discuss on this episode of the podcast is value-based decision-making models and how they are derived from the values of the organization, the values of the leader of the organization. We're going to review how Bezos does it, how Benioff does it, and how Reed Hastings does it, and what we can learn from that. On our past episodes of the podcast, we've talked a lot about the agenda of the CEO and what that's comprised of, and basically the vision, the values, the objectives, and the measures. Values are a powerful and what many call an invisible force of an organization. They are what define and help promulgate the culture of an organization. They are a powerful force that can be for good or bad, depending upon what those values are. Values, in terms of how they can be used to define a decision-making model or method in an organization, is a powerful force when used correctly, as we're going to see from the examples. But values can also be a very negative force if they aren't nurtured in appropriate ways and and not codified um, to sustain um, effective decision-making. And a quick example, I've experienced myself in a large, uh, very large organization, multiple billion dollars of revenue uh, annually, And within that organization, there was never any explicit leadership talk about decision-making, about how we make decisions, about the values that we use to make our decisions. Yes, there were processes in place from check marks on investments and pricing and whatnot, um, but there was no value derived um, in terms of explicitly derived decision-making system. There were values in place. They were just not good ones for decision-making. And what the values were that were in place were that um, there was a consensus-driven model. It was a model that did not veal, did not, did not value accountability and responsibility. So kind of how decisions were made was that they would be tossed around and, and everybody would converse and put their two cents in. And once they had reached consensus from everybody, a decision would be made. And since everybody agreed on the decision, even if it went bad or it was wrong, no one would be ever held accountable. And it was a very slow moving process as well, as you can imagine, because it was consensus driven. It was not an effective decision-making model tied to positive values. It was tied to values, all right. Values that were not conducive for making decisions in a decisive manner where people would be accountable for those decisions and decisions made with good judgment and context. All right, so what we want to look at here is how Bezos, Benioff, and Hastings have used their values to make effective decision-making models and methods within their organization. And we're going to talk about uh, what we can learn from them, the tactics that they put in place to codify them, the teaching, the learnings, and the policies so that they can create effective and powerful decision-making methods in their organization. 
Um, what we're also going to do before we get into looking at Bezos, Benioff, and Hastings um, models is we're going to go through a couple of things. Number one, we're going to look at a study that Bain and Company did on decision making within an organization and what it leads to in terms of their analysis and their findings. Um, second, I'm just going to give a quick scenario example to demonstrate how values can be used in a powerful manner to make decisions in a decisive manner that align with our values. And then we're going to go into Bezos, Benioff, and Hastings, and then we're going to go through a practice exercise that you can use to hone and sharpen your skills in terms of how you use values to construct a decision-making style of your own or how you can use it with a partner in an organization. Okay, so um, here's some research that Bain and company did. Um, they've done a lot of work on decision-making styles and models. This is from a 2008 project and study that they did. And what they did is they looked at 760 companies. Um, most of the companies were over a billion dollars in revenue. And what they did was they evaluated each company on four criteria. And the criteria was this. Number one, decision quality. And that means that the decisions had a positive or negative outcome, all right? Number two, speed. How, how fast are they making their decisions relative or to competition, relatively faster or slower to competition? Number three, yield. And that means that the decisions translated into actions taken after the decision was made. And number four, effort. And that's time, um, trouble, and expense that is put together to make the decision, right? The investment in the decision. What they found out was that decision effectiveness based upon those four criteria um, was positively correlated to financial performance at a greater than 95% confidence level. So they found a strong correlation to decision effectiveness and financial performance. Obviously there's other things that go into being a successful organization. Um, but decision effectiveness obviously as we think about it is an important and powerful tool. Just some other factors from their results is that the top quintile companies on average scored 71 out of 100 on their composite, so room for improvement. And the bottom four quintile in combination scored an average of 30 or lower. So 30 out of 100. Most companies were scoring in that zone. So lots of room for improvement on their decision-making models. Okay, so before we get into uh, Bezos, Benioff, and Hastings, I want to just walk through a quick scenario to describe and, and illustrate how powerful values are. So for example, here's a quick example. I'm going in, I'm interviewing for a role as a chief of staff. And within that interview, I want to make sure that the role aligns with values I have and want to bring to the table as a chief of staff. So what's important to me and, and what I value in the role is Number one, that I develop a strong foundation of trust with my partner in a symbiotic relationship. That means I can understand their intentions, the implications of decisions. What, are they, what, are, what is coming next based upon what is happening so I can anticipate and be a much more effective chief of staff? So that's important to me. It's the idea of the horse and rider. Also important to me is developing deep insights into their agenda. 
their vision and how they articulate it, what it really means, their values, their priorities when it comes to objectives, how we're measuring things and setting goals. I really want to understand those things because these two things, me developing a strong foundational trust in a symbiotic relationship and having a really in-depth understanding of their agenda is going to allow me to be a much more effective chief of staff. Another thing that's valuable to me is being decisive and a bias for action and getting things done and moving forward and developing conf confidence within the organization and momentum. All right, so as I'm speaking with the hiring manager and talking about things, they ask me for some of the things that I envision in terms of the role and I talk about doing a shadowing exercise and an observation, moving from observation to participation. I talk about getting an in-depth understanding of their agenda and they tell me that, well, those all sound good, that they have a lot of projects and initiatives piling up on their desk and they're just not going to have time for any of that right now. And they really need their chief of staff to come in and just power through objective, power through projects and initiatives and get them done. So as I'm listening to this person, um, my potential boss and partner, articulate how they think about the role, I can clearly see that it doesn't align with the values that I have in terms of the role and how I think the role should be done. And so I can make a, a decision based upon that in a rather um, prudent manner. And I can, I can let them know that kind of how they're describing the role doesn't align with the values I have for the role and that I don't foresee it going forward and it is being a worthwhile use of time for either of us. So I can use my values to make a decision. I can be decisive in this because I'm anchoring it to the values that I have about the role and it allows me to make a decision that benefits myself and my partner because I'm not going to be a good fit for that person anyways. Um, and so that's how I can make a decision about that. We can see from this example, if we anchor our decision-making methodology to our values and we can understand how we use that to make decisions, it can be a very powerful force. All right, let's get into Bezos, Benioff, and Hastings and what we can learn from them, their decision-making policies and approaches and what their values are and how they put them into place. We're going to start with Bezos. We've talked about Bezos quite a bit on some other podcasts and his decision-making style. And so there's three kind of core points he talks about. Number one, we only need 70% of the information to make decisions. Number two, if you can't make a decision, you escalate upwards or outwards to an appropriate person that will help you to make that decision. And number three, um, once we've made a decision, we all agree and commit and go forward. So even if Bezos isn't fully on board, if the rest of the team does and he agrees with it, he supports it 100%. All right, so when we're looking at this, and that's kind of the policy that they articulate within the organization, what are the values that are supporting this policy and this approach? Well, number one, we can see that Bezos values speed and getting things done and not getting bogged down in a whole bunch of information. Um, and we know that Bezos kind of has that mentality and speed and speed to market and, and getting through the operating cycle at faster cycles gives you an advantage in the marketplace. So we know they value that. 
We know that they also value unity and alignment because once you make a decision, we all go forward together as a team. Nobody's trying to sabotage it and that's part of their culture and approach and it's what they value. Also, at a deeper level, when they talk about the 70% of the information, in order to know what that 70% of the information is, you have to have judgment, context, experience, mental models. So there must be an element in there that they have to value understanding the context of any one situation. Obviously, if you're making decisions like an acquisition or a new product launch, you understand if you've been through those experiences many times what the key factors and the key information that you need to make decisions is and you learn from those things so as you're a new person in an organization if you're not aware of what the 70 percent is you need to seek out and help people inform you so you can become more knowledgeable about the decisions related to your area so you can use your judgment and context so we know those are some of the values that uh, help to promulgate this policy of Bezos. All right, let's move to Benioff and what we can learn from, from their decision-making style. We know that Mark Benioff definitely values the V2 mom. Uh, everybody in the organization puts a V2 mom together, and we know they like to use the V2 mom as an anchor uh, to their decision-making processes and, and approaches in the organization, and it works as a good tool. If I know what the vision of the organization is, where we're moving, and I know what our values are, and I know what our priorities are, the things we have to get done, and the methods, and I know what our, how we're measuring things and how we set goals, it allows me to use that as a good framework for decision-making. We also know that Benioff has a high importance and values trust. And he talks about trust a lot with customers, with employees. So as we're making decisions, we always want to look at, does this decision in any way violate the trust and the oath that we have to our customers and to our employees and, and, and to other stakeholders as well? We also know that Mark Benioff values vision and alignment a lot. He talks about that. He also talks about over-communication. So these are all values that you can put into place in which people will use within the organization when making decisions. And if you're using the V2 mom as your core basis for making all your decisions, you should know that it will have a strong alignment to the values of the organization, to the vision, and to the priorities and the objectives that have to be done. So it's a great tool and it helps to illustrate the things that are valued within uh, Salesforce. All right, let's get down to Reed Hastings and Netflix and talk a little bit about um, what they value there and how they think about decision making. And if anybody has looked at the Netflix culture deck, and a lot of people have, because uh, the one I looked at that was posted by Reed Hastings had like 20 million views. So a lot of people have looked at this deck and a lot of people talk about it as a legendary uh, um, PowerPoint deck that people look at. But what can we learn about Reed Hastings and decision-making? And they have, if anybody has looked at their culture or worked there, they have a very powerful culture. And that culture drives how people behave within that organization and they have put pieces in place to give it teeth so that the values are distilled and promulgated within the organization. One of the things that, that Reed Hastings talks about is this idea of first principles. 
And one of the first principles that you use is always make decisions that are in the best interest of Netflix. So if you're making decisions within Netflix, you have to evaluate, well, is this in the best interest of Netflix? And then you can kind of um, dial it down into further details around how you do that. We know also that accountability and freedom and responsibility is an important value within Netflix. And what that means is that, as Reed says, you know, if he doesn't make a decision in any one quarter, that's a great thing. That means that people below him in the organization are exercising their freedom and responsibility and their accountability to make decisions because he's not making them. So that's another powerful aspect of their culture. A few other things that are important uh, to point out is that they value judgment. It's talked about in their culture deck. Not only do they value it, they define what judgment means, what judgment means. And judgment is an important factor in decision making. And what Netflix says is that judgment involves wise decisions where you understand the root causes of things, not just the symptoms. You can articulate what you are trying to do in any one decision, what you're not trying to do. And you know what must be done well today, but also what can be improved later. So you're thinking about things when you're making decisions using this kind of judgment philosophy, which I think is a very well-written um, definition for how they use judgment. Another thing that's important to making decisions is context. Without context, it's really, really hard to make good decisions. And so Netflix not only defines what context means at Netflix, they invest in it. And so for Netflix, defining it means we link our decisions to our goals. Um, we relate them to relative priorities. What needs to be done today? What needs to be done tomorrow? That gets at the agenda of the CEO question, doesn't it? Understanding priorities and goals. Also, um, at Netflix when it comes to context, we can understand what level of precision is needed in our decision. There's some where there's great precision needed and there's some where there's less and that requires judgment. And you can articulate either or based upon the decision you're making. You also base decisions relative to stakeholders and key metrics. So again, what Netflix is doing is not only telling you about how context is important, but they're giving and articulating how it works in the basis of making decisions, which is, um, in my opinion, again, very well done. So how does invest or how does Netflix then invest in these decisions? Well, they have a new employee college where people can come in. I'm assuming I haven't talked or gone in great detail to study their new employee college, but I assume they are going through judgment and they're talking about context and freedom and responsibility and all those kind of things so people can get a really good understanding um, and indoctrination and socialization of these ideas. Um, they have frequent department meetings and they're very open about strategy and results. And that goes hand in hand with things like the V2 mom and OKRs. Those things need to be transparent because if I'm going to make decisions in an organization, I have to know what the strategies are and the objectives are and what our goals are and what the priorities are so I can put these pieces together to make effective decisions within an organization. So you can see that Netflix has done a very powerful um, 
piece of work to promulgate their decision-making methodology, which is anchored to their values. One other thing that Netflix does, if you want to be promoted at Netflix, you must exemplify in a big way the values of the organization. And if you don't, um, you can't be promoted. And other organizations have done similar things that if you, um, when it comes to annual reviews, a large component is that you are and embody the values of the organization. And even if you, if you don't embody the values, but you perform on, uh, as a spectacular star and other measures, that means that you may get a bad review or you may be asked to leave the organization. So if you want to make sure that the values have policies associated with them to get enforced, these are ways to do it in terms of promotions and annual reviews. All right, so we can see from the example that Netflix has put together and Reed Hastings, they have a very powerful and what would seem to be an effective methodology for making decisions that is closely and tightly anchored to the values of the organization. Okay, so what can we learn from these things? We know that values and how they can be tied into um, decision-making styles and, and procedures is very powerful. If left to its own, it can be very detrimental also, given the example I talked about earlier uh, in, in this podcast. All right, let's go through a simple exercise that you can use to kind of sharpen your skills on how to do this and how to create this. Let's just go through an example. So number one, define and select the values that are important to you um, as the leader or the founder of an organization. What might they be? Uh, so for me, let's just talk about, I'll give you a quick few examples. For me, one of the things that's important is that we have a decisive and a bias for action when it comes to making decisions. And we have to talk about what that means, of course. Number two, I believe, and I, I value mentoring, teaching, and um, distributing knowledge and people learning and gaining mastery over their skills. Number three, I value judgment and context and, and what that means. Um, number four, I would value alignment and transparency. And number five, I value accountability. So those are some things that I would value if I was uh, the leader of an organization that's going to be working on something like this. The next step I want to do, and we can take a cue from Netflix and what they did, was define what each of these terms mean and articulate it and give examples so people can have a better understanding. What exactly do these values mean when put into action? So define what they mean, write them out, give examples, and articulate them. Number three, think about what the training or educational needs would need to be in an organization then to support these concepts and these values in terms of how you would use it to define a decision-making style that is simplistic enough for people to understand Right? but to have some level of depth so people have a greater understanding of how it actually works, okay? And you wanna de develop kind of some talking points about it, and that's kind of the final step. All right, so step one is define what your values are, write them down, you know, two to three to five. Um, define these terms and, and, and articulate them in a greater way to give them some heft and meaning for people to understand. Okay, so you do that. 
Think about how you can develop training and educational needs and also policies associated with them in your organization. And then how to wrap it up and how you talk about them in a simplistic manner so people can understand. You know, here's our decision-making policy. Uh, we know what Bezos is, we know what Benioff's is, we know what Hastings are. They're all simplistic enough so people can understand them. And then with training and mentoring and education and transparency and alignment, you can make these powerful tools. So that's an exercise you can go through to sharpen your skills in doing this. A couple of points. Number one, if you're working in a smaller organization, perhaps a startup that's growing, and these values and a decision-making method and style hasn't been explicitly codified yet, this is a good opportunity for you to approach your partner and talk about it and, and potentially do it. Um, your partner may not be ready or may not realize the, the, the value in doing it, um, but it's helpful to kind of lay it out and put out some, some landmarks associated with it. If you're gonna do this in an organization, obviously you can't do it without the leader's support, 100% support behind it, because it's difficult and hard to do these things. It's not easy. If you're within a larger organization that's kind of uh, setting afloat kind of drifting and they haven't had good values and powerful values codified and explicitly made known uh, I mean trained and coached in terms of how they're used for decision-making you have another issue on your hands because in a large organization changing the culture like this very 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 difficult of course doesn't mean it can't be done um, it can be done but it's something that will require great effort great um, leadership support and a well thought through organizational change plan that's for sure anyways that's the podcast uh, for today we greatly appreciate everybody out there taking the time to listen to it please give us any feedback if you will we always like to listen to that and thank you once again for listening to another episode of Parminio.